but everyone talks about like Ellen Ripley or Sarah Connor for strong female characters. Ellen Ripley, I would say, is almost on par um, with Clarice Sterling in the first Alien movie. All the remaining Alien movies, she turn, kind of turns more into an action hero. But yeah, this movie is is amazing in that sense, um, in a lot of senses. But um, this especially, I think, is probably, I mean, it's the, I think it's one of the best female characters ever put on screen. Welcome to a cast with no name. We're your hosts. I'm Jay. And I'm Matt. This is episode 70. This episode, we try to tuck it in. And as we discuss the 1991 <laughs> film, Silence of the Lambs. But first, don't forget to visit our website, acastofnoname.com, where you can listen to our entire episode library, comment on episodes, write to our email. And as always, you can find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And we are also on YouTube. And lastly, thank you for listening. And if you enjoy the show, rate it, comment, ask us questions. If you don't enjoy the show, don't listen yeah don't listen yeah what are you doing <laughs> so jay yes we're kicking off halloween month yes scary movies yeah so uh why did we pick this movie <laughs> uh i i don't know i think it's just seemed like a good idea at the time was yeah it, uh i don't think there was any underlying reason it's just no i think it's because people think that you know it's like oh it's one of the few horror movies that is that have ever won best picture mm-hmm. or been nominated i think it's the only one to ever win Best picture horror movie wise? Uh, probably. Because I don't think The Exorcist won no. best picture that year. So, um, I yeah, I, that'd be a nice. Because I think no, I yeah, I don't think Sixth any Sense other. was nominated. It, did, it didn't win that year. Mm-hmm. But uh, people always think that this is a horror movie. Yes. So I think that's why we wanted to talk about it because right. we obviously like it. I'm sure we both do. Yes. But uh, what do do you think it's a horror movie? Oh, like if, you, if you had to nail uh, down the genre of this, I, I guess it would depend on your definition of horror. Uh-huh. Um, I, when I first watched this, it was one of the scarier movies I've seen. Um, uh-huh. I mean, I think technically it would be like psychological thriller, or sure. just thriller, but I think there's definitely horror aspects of it. Sure. And, um, There's definitely horrifying things that happen, yeah, for sure. But I think it's a lot... I mean, it's a definitely a deeper movie than... Because pretty much horror is just, I mean, schlock half the time yeah. and created to kind of um, surprise or just very surface level kind of... Uh, like I jump guess. scares. Yeah, a little bit of jump scares, stuff like that. Some other horror movies have like deeper meanings and stuff, but I feel <laughs> like this is... I mean, it's just a all-around good movie. It just happens right. to have a lot of horror elements, mm-hmm. um, but it doesn't. Um, I think there may be one or two jump scares in there, but it's nothing that. I mean, it, it doesn't rely on it, right. and it's. Um, it kind of reminds me of. Uh, I had something in my head, but then it. Ugh. Um. But yeah, it elicits, yeah, it's just like a higher, I mean, just a higher level. It elicits more of a thriller, mm-hmm. drama slash thriller, because obviously the characters are well-written and fleshed out, um, 
but I just don't feel the horror vibe. And maybe it's because my definition of a horror movie is a little bit more generic. Mm-hmm. Like how, how, would you, how would you kind of define like it? it? It's it's meant to be uh, the ex- the movie going experience for a horror movie is to, like I said, you know, elicit a jump scare or uh, its whole purpose is to just um, frighten you mm-hmm. and in sort of the uh, give you the sense of danger without right yeah right. Um, this is more uh, creepy in the sense of, you know, it it feels like a documentary almost the mm-hmm. way it's shot. That, kind of feels like a mood movie yeah, almost. Yeah, and the way that a lot of the scenes are are cut and the pacing of it, especially towards the end, it does have that like thr- thriller thriller uh, sense to it than mm-hmm. than a horror horror movie. Yeah, it definitely ramp, ramps up the uh, the thriller aspect of it and a little bit of the horror motif like at the very end. Um, mm-hmm. And but yeah, I. I always say this is my favorite scary movie or horror movie, but <laughs> right. it's, I mean, technically it's not, but I mean, I've, I wish every horror movie could be like this. This I feel like is kind of, um, what, um, uh, midnight mass. Um, Oh yeah. Um, that, that gentleman's name. Um, but what, he, Oh, Mike Flanagan. Yeah. Mike Flanagan. Uh, yeah. what, what he does, what he does because he, uh, I get the same feeling from Mike Flanagan that I d- when I watch this movie, and yep. which is just elevated characters, great story, and it's intriguing. Um, Mike Flanagan puts more jump scares into his things, um, yeah. and it's more has that eerie horror kind of tone and atmosphere uh, than what this does. As this kind of mixes in like police procedural almost and yeah. uh, other elements. But. And and of course Flanagan has the supernatural maybe that's what I think of a horror movie like the supernatural element not necessarily ghosts like uh, Haunted in a Hill House or vampires like Midnight Mass but obviously vampires aren't real mm-hmm. and the werewolves, werewolves aren't real. Serial killers like Freddy Krueger and Jason Voorhees and Michael they're not real mm-hmm. but this feels and maybe that's why it's so horrific. It feels like I said, like a documentary almost. Mm-hmm. And when gore is presented on screen, especially when uh, the whole the whole sequence where Lecter uh, escapes the the building, like that scene is pretty intense and graphic yeah. and very disturbing. Mm-hmm. That's the only element though in the movie where it's well, besides the whole tuck scene too, which is pretty <laughs> amazing, disturbing Your scene. It's yeah. disturbing. <laughs> But it's not gory or anything. Mm-hmm. The, the only gore in the movie really is that that escape scene, and that's I, I tie to a lot of horror movies like the gore and the mm-hmm. violence. This isn't like crazy violent, except for that that scene in particular is pretty yeah pretty graphic. A, a lot of the violence you see is like pretty much the aftermath. So right. when they're doing the autopsy autopsy on the woman on the table, and you see photos on mm-hmm. the wall of what Buffalo Bill had done to his previous victims. And I mean, that's pretty other than the lector scene of him escaping, uh, which spoilers, by the way, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's, only, it's only 32 years old. I'm sure you've um, seen it is, uh, that's really the only gore that you see is mm-hmm. just like still black and white photographs, almost like you're looking at scenes of a crime. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but yeah, it's, it's, very yeah compared to modern horror movies or even horror movies at the time the gore just i mean it's not there it's mm-hmm. more um represented in the aftermath of what yeah you don't happened. see you don't see it happening mm-hmm. yeah 
Um, yeah, when's the first time you saw this movie? Oof. Were you a kid? Oh, yeah. Like me? Yeah. yeah. Uh, my dad had showed it to me probably 95-ish, wow. maybe like mid to late 90s, I feel like, okay. was the first time I so you were saw young. it. Um, and I could be misremembering, could be early 2000, but I want to say I was probably like in high school, maybe. So okay. early high school, so late 90s. All right. Um, and... Uh, I liked it then, um, watched it again, still like it now with added different added reasons. Um, the, the characters are awesome. The character design, like the way the characters look are awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, the, one of my favorite looks in the movie is the guy who plays, uh, Jack Crawford, who is Clarice's, I get the head of behavioral, um, Scott Glenn. Yeah, Scott Glenn. And his whole look in that is just cool. How like, you, it's like yeah. that 19, like, he almost looks like 1950s, like, mm-hmm. G-Man. Like and, Dragnet, sort of. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And. Um, Very clean cut and sharp. Yep. <laughs> like the look of him. I like the, the. I mean, the look of uh, Hannibal Lecter, just like mm-hmm. very clean and proper. Um, Buffalo Bill. I mean, ev- everyone in that movie just looks so good good um and i just like how they design those characters because a lot of i mean their costumes everything is very timeless to where you could watch it now and some of the clothes may seem dated but they're in middle america and you could you could see someone wearing those yeah a lot of those clothes now yeah um so they did a good job with character design costume design um and all that good stuff that Mm -hmm. it doesn't it doesn't feel like it feels like it could have taken place in the eighties and the nineties, mid two thousands. Yeah. Um, and they've done a good job trying to keep it timeless as far as the look of it. Um, but yeah, how about you? When was the first time you saw it? It's around the same age. I think yeah. freshman in high school is when I, I heard about it, but I never, uh, just never got around, around to watching it. Yeah. And man, I, I liked it then and I just appreciate it more and more it gets better to me every time I watch it I watch it maybe every other year or so okay and I always pick up something different every time I watch this is the first time I actually watched it critically mm-hmm. like with a critical lens uh the first time you, you watch it you're just like enthralled with just how crazy Hannibal yeah. Lecter is and the twist of him escaping just mm-hmm. didn't see it coming and just the uh shock of why Buffalo Bill was doing this because mm-hmm. I, you know, you never heard of anything like that before, and it's just frightening. Why, why, why do you feel how? Do, uh, why do you feel Buffalo Bill did what he did? Uh, I just felt like he just wasn't comfortable in his own body. I guess they're just being a human okay. in general, and he was just trying to feel something, mm-hmm. and he felt that this was the way to feel something. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> obviously, it's crazy, yeah. but. Uh, um, like in the movie, they say you covet what you you covet what you see. Mm-hmm. So maybe he grew up in a terrible circumstance, and his neighbor was something he wanted to emulate, and he thought the only way to get that was to actually physically become her. So mm-hmm. yeah, it just messed him up psycholo- uh, psychologically. Yeah, the but I'm not a psychiatrist or no. psychologist. So I don't know. I I am not either, but I play <laughs> one on TV. Um, it's uh. Yeah, I, I rewatching it this time. I picked up on Lecter's um, 
comment that he because I think he had treated him mm-hmm. as a yeah. patient and he had um because when I was younger and I first saw it I thought he was just wanted to become a woman mm-hmm. to become a woman and right. like he got denied the surgery so then he started doing this uh but I what I picked up watching it now is that there's a comment by Lecter it had something along the lines of he's tried to transform himself many different times mm-hmm. and this just happens to be the new metamorphosis so i feel like because there was when this movie came out there was a lot of backlash with this movie um with the gay community and they were uh in the trans community and they were pissed off because they're like oh they're being portrayed as a villain and blah mm-hmm. blah, blah and i didn't re-watching this i did not I did not get the sense that he was gay. No. And I didn't get the sense that he was trans either. It mm-hmm. was, he was doing it because this is what he was into at that time. And there's the over the overarching theme, I feel for like this movie and why I appreciate it is, um, is the power of, I guess, sex or gender in society so throughout the entire movie you're more or less put in jodie foster's clarice's point of view to where they um scott glenn will be talking directly to um the camera camera and you're just put in her shoes anthony hopkins talks directly to the camera put in her shoes same thing with uh uh Dr. Chilton of the psychiatric thing. He's like talking to you and he's like flirting with you and you just feel that you're uneasiness. Like, like, they go to the, do the autopsy. Great and, casting, by the way. Oh yeah. That guy is it's so like just oh, slimy. He is slimy. Um, he's and, been in a bunch of stuff oh, too. Yeah. I just can't think of it at the top of my, but all, all the eighties movies. I, he's always like the guy, mm-hmm. like the, the twerp or like this, the, just the, um, uncool guy who tries to be cool yeah and he fails miserably at it anyway the uh but no so you're consistently putting her shoes like she goes to do the autopsy she's left outside the room and you just the camera pans across all the officers officers just kind of staring, staring at, at her. her yeah you feel that and yeah. the um so you get the sense of her feeling like one the male gaze but also feeling like that she is not as important or she doesn't have as much power, which she, she certainly does. She kicks them out of the autopsy autopsy room and she, uh, speaks to her boss, uh, Jack Crawford when, well, he makes mention, he's like, that kind of dug into you a little bit when I left you out with the, mm-hmm. the thing. And she's like, it looks bad. And, she, but she, so she's not powerless by any means. It's just because of, the fact that she's a female, she is perceived that way. Mm-hmm. And, um, but it's interesting because I feel like Buffalo Bill was doing what he did because he saw other women. I feel like he, he'd just been denied so often. And he, because he was denied, he felt like they had all the power. And I feel like that's why he was doing what he was doing is so that he could then take that power mm. that women had over his life. Um, oh, there you go. His entire life. Right. Um, well, didn't Lecter make a comment like, uh, um, Billy's not transsexual. He just thinks he is. Yeah. Something like that. Mm-hmm. Which goes like, yeah, he's not. He's probably just doing it because he feels like he's 
yeah, taking back power yeah, in some a, form. Yeah, yeah, because I think they mentioned like a, a relationship with his mother or something like yeah. that to where um, he was abused when he was a kid and mm. everything else. But right. um, I mean, it's, it's very, very well done. But I, I love... Um, you couldn't have cast a better person too. Yeah, I mean, he, he did Ted great. Ted Levine is he, awesome. <laughs> in his voice, uh, uh, it's, every time I hear it, like like Fast and Furious is the other thing I can remember him being in. He, he was in this movie, one of my, it's actually a hidden gem, this movie called Joyride. It's with Paul Walker and Steve yeah. Zahn. He plays the trucker. He's not actually in the, he's just the voice of the yeah. trucker. And it's awesome. Yeah, that, that, that garbled yes. voice that he does where he, yeah. he, he doesn't, he sounds like he doesn't move his jaw when he talks. Yes. And yeah, he's like um, candy cane. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's good. He's in Monk too. I don't know if you ever watched Monk. Mm-hmm. Tony Shalhoub. He plays like the uh, 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 the lead detective in San, San Francisco PD that works with Monk. Okay. Tony Shalhoub all the time. It's a great show. Yeah. Anyway, nice. It, for it, Monk. Does he play like a comedic kind of yeah. role or a yeah, little bit? Yeah. 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 That's sure. interesting. Yeah. He's good in it. Good. Um, he's a good guy. So it's nice little change of yeah. pace that you're used to him. Um, but yeah, I, uh, this, yeah, my, fi- probably my favorite female character, if not, uh, definitely one of my top five favorite characters in a movie, Clarice Sterling. Oh yeah. And definitely my favorite female character. Um, everyone talks about like Ellen Ripley or Sarah Connor for strong female characters. Ellen Ripley, I would say is almost on par, um, with Clarice Sterling in the first alien movie, all the remaining alien movies she turn, kind of turns more into an action hero um but as far as uh like willpower like the fact that she's vulnerable mm. um but also smart and determined and brave brave yeah and that i mean she like checks all the boxes um like when Hannibal Lecter is giving her a dressing down uh literally just like commenting on her wardrobe and pretty much picking apart her past Mm -hmm. uh just from how she looks in their first meeting how she can kind of she keeps it together you can kind of tell she's bothered by it and then she kind of breaks down a little bit when she leaves the hospital yeah um the fact that they show that but then she still retains her strength the entire movie they don't make her she doesn't have to be saved she doesn't have to be um i mean she gets help which is perfectly fine that's normal um but there's no pep talk yeah there's no, there's no pep talk yeah. scene there's great yeah there's no oh yeah that that whole you're the you best you can do it you yeah. can do it you've worked so hard yeah you're, there's none of that yeah, yeah, yeah. um I, subtle subtlety sometimes uh uh wins works. the day yeah <laughs> you don't need to spell it out um but yeah probably very very good i i'm deaf i can't well i can wait for my daughters to be older but once they're older Mm. i'm definitely showing them this movie and um just because it's a perfect example of because i try and find movies with strong like strong female characters and coincidentally i feel like jodie foster plays majority of Mm -hmm. them yeah and um but yeah this movie is is amazing in that sense um in a lot of senses but um this especially i think is probably i mean it's the i think it's one of the best female characters ever put on screen hard to argue no i know i agree plus so. jodie foster is just a great actress so yeah there you go but yeah what did, did you ever notice the uh because i never really noticed it until i watched it this past time i didn't realize that it maybe it's because i watched the exorcist too and listened to william freakin say that it, 
he wanted it to feel like a documentary. Um, and that's actually why William Peter Blatty wanted William Friedkin because he wanted it to feel like a documentary. And I don't know if it's because I listened to that and then I went right into watching this, but it felt just the graininess of the cinematography and the weird, like almost FBI file font and print. It felt like you're pulling out a, a file from like the, the FBI, uh, warehouse or whatever where you like you you pull the files and then Mm -hmm. you open it and it's it's like that got that grainy paper to it i don't know it felt it felt like a documentary watching it another you know this time around i don't know if you felt that way or a little bit um i especially with i mean the the camera angles that they chose Mm -hmm. um putting you in the situation um which they didn't do a lot um, at that time. They they still don't. Um, and uh, but as far as documentary, I I don't know. But I I get I I did get David Fincher vibes. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as the way David Fincher, because I feel like this could have easily been a David Fincher movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, as far as documentary, I I didn't get that sense that much. Maybe it's because the production design too didn't feel over the top at all. Yeah, no, it felt real. It felt lived in. Yeah, Um, even the houses that they go to. Yeah, just like a house that me and you drive by all the time. It's weird. And by the way, uh, where who makes those basements anymore? Because on the outside, it's like it's a, it's a typical 1960s house that he lives in. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, this basement feels really, really big. Was this like a stop in the Underground Railroad or something? I don't know. There's a yeah. dungeon and a pit. I noticed that. I, <laughs> I the, like, when this I place goes on forever. Rewatched it, I was like, God, how long would it take him to yeah. like dig into that? Which I guess it was supposed to be like an old well. Right. And I it know, felt I've, huge. I've the been basement in, felt huge. Yeah. I've been in old houses and they've never. Like I've been in some houses that ha- would have like a dirt floor in the basement. Yeah, yeah. But it was like a cross base or something. Yeah, but yeah. Um, but yeah, it was, it was massive. <laughs> That's fine. It's but. fine. I loved uh, the uh, like. Do hospitals have jail cells like that? Like at the very basement floor where they <laughs> they <laughs> they house the worst people in the world. <laughs> I. I don't know. I've never been inside a psychiatric hospital, especially like a maximum security uh-huh. psychiatric hospital. Uh, I It's like they built the cells out of dirt. Mm-hmm. I'm like, this is where you stay. Yeah. <laughs> I think part of that is probably just like production design, obviously. Yeah. But um, yeah. but who knows? I yeah. do not. I, I don't want to guess what state funded yep. uh, psychiatric places look like. But, um, but no, yeah, I love the... Um, the set design and the locations that they pick yeah. feels, it feels real it does. and it, it feels like it could be anywhere in, I mean the Midwest. Yep. And like when Clarice interviews, uh, the first victim's dad, when she goes to his house, mm-hmm. I'm like, Oh God, I've been, I've been in that house. Yeah. Oh yeah. It, it's just so familiar. It's the upstairs with the two rooms and a bathroom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, um, uh, Nick, another character, I like kind of hopping around Barney, the orderly. Oh yeah. yeah. And I like his character. Cause again, it feels real. It feels like, because you have, um, 
people that work there respect the patients that are there. Even if they're extremely violent, they know they don't want to upset them. They mm-hmm. don't want to, and they're polite. As, I mean, it's not like Shawshank where you get like the, the head yeah. guard and he's just like beating the shit out. I'm sure people like that exist, but a lot of people um, kind of reminded me of um, Tom Hanks's character in The Green Mile. Yeah. And how he, no matter who it was, he always showed them the same amount of respect because he knew if like if somebody got out of hand, like you yeah. didn't want to be a target, and you wanted to, uh, no matter who they were, treat. Right. But and why? I, why would you want to be in that? I mean, they're gonna they're yeah. on death row. They're gonna <laughs> they're gonna die. Yeah, but I, I liked his character. I liked how they handled. Yeah. And it's just small character, but it was just one of the things. I was like, God, I really like Barney. Like he, yep. he seems like just. I mean, again, well-rounded characters just happens to be a very nice guy who works in that facility. Yeah. Um, and it's a good um, uh, counter character to Dr. Chilton, to where Chilton is more in there for the fame mm-hmm. and everything else. He's just trying to raise his status and get interviews and everything else. And he, he's totally in it for the wrong reasons. And then you see Barney who's on the little rung, who's definitely in it for the right reasons. Right. And whether he thinks, <clears throat> I mean, what he's doing could help somebody or not. He want he's trying to do the right thing. But yeah. I like, I mean, it's just a small character. They could have just had a bland, mm-hmm. um, stand and do that. But yep. Uh, the way that guy, uh, Frankie Faison, um, portrayed him, I thought. I mean, it was just good. Yeah, it's it just it, it's a perfect example of there's no there's no small parts, only small yep. actors, kind of a thing. And watching it uh, this past time, I didn't realize how uh, I did. I, Anthony Hopkins really isn't in the movie all that much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I looked it up. I was like, he's only in like four scenes, and I'm, and then I fun fact, he's. The uh, in terms of percentage of film screen, he's the shortest for a best actor winner ever. Twenty one percent of the film. Oh, okay. Nice. Yeah, I didn't know that. He's in twenty four minutes of it. Nice. Yeah, that's best. Oh yeah, because yeah, best best lead actor. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that that's uh yeah that's but he, he definitely deserves it. But, but he. But it, it feels longer because he eats up every mm-hmm. scene he's in. Yeah, and a lot of his lines, it's just, I mean, it's mainly the camera just yeah. staying on him um, with very little cutaways. Um, yeah, that, and I think that was, like, that was the start of his, like, rise yeah. again, mm-hmm. which he had been in other things. He was in theater and stuff uh, beforehand. Yep. Um, but, yeah, it's great. I mean, But it makes his scenes more powerful because he's in it. I, He's not in it very for yeah. very and long. He's like, and he's pretty much the standout yeah. person from it. I mean, um, obviously people know Clarice, but I mean, everyone knows Hannibal yeah. Lecter and just like the the fava beans line and everything yep. else that just gets imitated. Yeah. Um, but he's in five five scenes. I counted. He's in two scenes in the in the in the psychiatric hospital with Clarice. Mm-hmm. He's in the the air, airport hangar yep. with the senator. He's in the building that he escapes from, and then he's the very last scene where he calls Clarice up, and that's it. Yep. It's yeah. like, wow, yeah, he's he kills it. Because mm-hmm. I watched Hannibal. He's literally in 90% of that movie. And I'm like, why is this not as good? as? The... It's because he's in every single yeah. scene, so it doesn't hold that much weight to it. Yeah, it's the, um, it's the little goes a long way kind of a mm-hmm. thing to where you had um, like Hulk in the Avengers. 
Yeah. To where everyone's like, oh, yeah, Joss Whedon finally nailed the Hulk. That's how you do it, blah, blah, blah. And and everyone wanted a Hulk movie then. And I'm like, that it wouldn't work. Uh-huh. Because the reason why Hulk works in that is because he's playing off of the lead people. Mm-hmm. And same thing with uh, Les Grossman in Tropic Thunder, um, Tom <laughs> Cruise's character. Everyone yeah. wanted the Les Grossman movie, which I kind of want to see just because I want to see more of that character. Uh-huh. But I don't <clears> think... <throat> I think it would just be too much at right. that point. And... It'd be like an SNL character, like... It's Pat. Yeah. You make a whole movie out of that or the ladies man, like really a yeah, whole it movie. Gets, yeah, yeah. It, it gets, gets old. And, yeah. um, but yeah, I've, cause I, I've seen Hannibal, um, a couple of times. I found it more funny than like tongue in cheek, kind of right. like dark, like more dark comedy, not ha ha laugh right all the way through. It still tried to have those moments, but, it almost it didn't feel as serious as what Silence of the Lambs did, and I think because well he's in the movie, like mm-hmm. Clarice Sterling's character kind of takes a back seat to it, um, and I, I it just didn't didn't feel as effective. Um, but like there's one scene in particular when he's when he uh, I think he's I forget he's in some town in Europe I don't know if it's Venice or whatever, but he's talking to somebody and he's like okay. And trails in or out. And he's like, what? And he like slices his yeah, guy's like, yeah. all righty then. And then tosses him out the window. Yeah. And I was just like, I. Uh, it seemed tongue in cheek, like you said. Yeah. yeah. Just a little bit to where I feel like he. Like it kind of just felt like a joke to him. But in this movie, whenever he killed somebody, it's almost like he he relished it and yeah. he, he really, really enjoyed it. And almost like that was his, um, sexual tension being released right. to where in Hannibal, it kind of felt more like, Oh, here I go this again. This is what I do. Yeah. yeah. And <laughs> back for the sequel. Yeah. It felt more meaningful in, uh, yeah. um, in silence of the Lambs. Yeah. And I like the, uh, more intentional. I right. Say. I, and I do like the, the choice of, uh, the repartee between him and Clarice and how he's supposed to be this guy who knows everything. He knows everything before you're going to say it. He can dissect you. And the fact that he diagnoses her wrong about why she is in the FBI and all that, and it intrigues him. He's like, okay, I was a little wrong about this. And that's why he's so interested in her. Like why? Mm-hmm. Okay. I got that wrong. I thought it was right. Yeah. So he's like, okay. Yeah. And she's told at the very beginning, don't let Han- don't let Lecter in your head. Mm-hmm. You don't want him in there. But she in turn lets him in because she needs information that mm-hmm. he has. And the fact that she is strong enough to be able to deal with that or at least kind of let him in, but without giving him everything. Yep. But just giving him enough to where he's happy so I can get what I need yeah. is another amazing character moment for her. Yeah. Um, I love that scene where she talks about the lamb story. Mm-hmm. And he's, it's like he's, he's, it's like he need it's like oxygen that he needs to breathe as he's, yeah. and he's like, thank you. Like, you know, he has this sigh of relief, like, thank you. That's why you are the way you are. Yeah. It all makes sense now. The, um, but yeah, I, Jonathan Demme, we haven't talked about him yeah. much, director. The uh, 
I can't, well, everyone in this movie, I mean, it, it cracks me up because you have Jonathan Demme, who um, he directed a <clears throat> romantic comedy, Married to the uh, Married to the Mob, uh-huh. Married to the Mafia, or something like that. Married to the Mob, yeah. Married to the Mob. Michelle it's, Pfeiffer. Yeah. It's a comedy. Uh, and then you have... Uh, he did Philadelphia, like right after this. Yeah, did Philadelphia after this. And actually, in turn, because I guess he took a lot of the backlash from the gay community. Oh, um, I didn't even put those two together. he had... I was, watching the criterion version of uh-huh. this. Okay. And there's a lot of backlash and I guess he had taken that personally and and it makes sense that he would do Philadelphia. Philadelphia came next. And um but you had Jonathan Demme Demme the director of uh Married to the Mob and then you have Howard music by Howard Shore who also did Lord of the Rings and yeah. The Hobbit. And then you have um, Anthony Hopkins from like more stage mm-hmm. productions. And um, I mean, Jodie Foster played some serious roles prior. Uh, I think she had won. She was nominated or may have won for... Um, the Accused, yeah. The Accused. And, um, and then you have... Uh, attack Fijimoto, which feels like he belongs in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, he did. He's a cinematographer. He did the cinematography for Signs. Did a lot of mm. Night Shyamalan movies. Um, and uh, Colleen Atwood did the costume design. She's done every costume design, and like her filmography is ridiculous. But um, well, it goes to like you said. You like the way it looked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there you go. The uh, but Jonathan Demme, uh, coming from a comedy to this, the fact that uh, he was able to do it, able to get the job, and um, and the fact that he could turn like create this is is amazing. And a lot of uh, people point to um, like Jim Carrey or Robin Williams or um, Jordan Peele mm-hmm. that come from comedy and then do serious things are like oh that's i mean i feel like he should be right there um, oh yeah definitely with them to where uh his versatility i mean is amazing because i mean this is one of those movies that's like i feel like it's lightning in a bottle yeah kind of a thing and um the fact that they were able to pull this movie together and have a because in the behind the scenes that they said it was like a fun set and it wasn't like dour and like everyone being all serious all the time and it was just people having a good time and they were wondering when they were making it they're like is this gonna work kind (laughs) of a thing because we're having kind of too much much fun fun. and but but i think it's great that you don't have to take method all the way because you always have like whenever they come out with a new horror film, it's oh oh well, so the, the lights turned off in the studio and there was a fire and the devil doesn't right. want us to make this kind of and I'm like shut the fuck up yeah and um to where like you could just have genuinely have a bunch of people get together have fun make a movie and still have it like hit the way it needs to hit yeah um, is I I like instances of that just because I don't know I I think it's pretentious when 
People staying in character for nine months, like and, Jared Leto, you know, sending yeah, that used condoms or, to, yeah. <laughs> and, um, yeah, yeah, just doing all this nonsense. Just, I mean, half of it's probably just press releases and made up bullshit, anyways, yeah. to yeah. make buzz for the movie. But, um, but no, I, I like it when people can still do great work without having to be an asshole about it or be yeah. a douche. Yeah, it's funny that uh, you say, you know, Anthony Hopkins is only no, really known for stage plays. It If you look back at the scenes he's in, it is kind of like he's on a stage. Mm-hmm. And he's just, he's just, he he's not, it's not like moving camera work where he's like, you know, there's like dolly shots and he's he's uh, moving from one, one set to another or there's like some sort of action scene or whatever where he's just moving around. It's just, he's in the cell, then he's in another cell, mm-hmm. and then he's, He's got the one scene in the airport hangar where he's stationary. He's not moving. Yeah. It's just him and the cameras on him, and mm-hmm. he's not really moving at all. It's just focused on him the whole time. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's kind of like his one man show. Do you think it's by accident? They're like, hey, we need a, we need a play actor, <laughs> a play stage actor, or is it more of well, Anthony Hopkins is pretty good. Let's see if he'll do it. Um, it, it escapes me who else they kind of looked at for that role. Um. But I think Anthony Hopkins was definitely like their one of their first choices just because I think they wanted someone who was unassuming mm-hmm. and didn't look like a serial killer. Um, they wanted someone that was more clean cut. They wanted someone that looked uh, proper. And, Intelligent. Yeah. Yep. And um, yeah. But no, yeah, I, I, I like how the camera work was minimal in this because mm-hmm. because they do a lot of that point of view editing um i think it works for the benefit because i mean no one's sitting there like bopping their head around and i think a lot exorbitant exorbitant ex- exorbitant exorbitant <laughs> extravagant camera movements there we go. <laughs> i think would have taken away from it yeah um yeah because there's something to be said to where if you can keep the camera still and have a engaging story and engaging conversation you don't need all that flash because nope. you're sucked right in there yeah um, and, the, and all the actors did a great job um doing that like even the the lady in the hole but yeah i mean everyone killed it in this it was only one writer right ted tally uh he adapted the book yes so yeah and then great job oh man you just never see that anymore it's just a team of writers now i, I know <laughs> you have like 18 writers yeah. and then it, it takes all eight to 18 of them to make something extremely mediocre i know <laughs> Terrible. Well, this is number twenty-four on uh, IMD IMDb two to uh, two hundred fifty. Yeah, I think that fits. It's very good. Yeah, I like it. The um, yeah, it might be. I, it made me want to watch David Fincher movies. I know David, yeah. but it, it had that feel. And he's coming out with a new one on Netflix called The Killer with Michael Fassbender. Uh, David Fincher is yeah. It comes out in December. Hmm. We'll probably have to review that one. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that, ooh, just in time for Christmas. I know, yeah, just what we want to see. <laughs> Some Yuletide fun. Um, I would say this is probably, if I had to make a list of the best movies of the 90s, this might be in my top five. It might be. I'd yeah. have to look, but definitely. Yeah, and it, and yeah, in the 90s are tough because a lot of things came out. But um, I know we made, what, our top five 90s action movies? Mm-hmm. Uh, this obviously isn't an action movie, really, but 
if we were to make a list of top five nineties movies, this might make it. Yeah. I, yeah, especially since it, it, it still holds up. Oh yeah. So well. Um, Oh, it's way better than most movies that come out. Yeah. Oh yeah. The, um, the ending of this, how it kind of cuts back and forth between, and does that parallel storytelling to where you have, uh, Jack Crawford's character going to raid a house. I think it's like in South Bend. Mm-hmm. And then you have uh, Clarice, who I think is in Ohio. Yeah. Um, yep. And, um, and how it kind of plays back and forth. Originally, that's not how it was cut together. Hmm. It was Jack Crawford goes to the house. They find out it's, um, it's a bust. And then they call... Uh, because what they they had cut out um, a section of the story in the original script it was Jack Crawford and um, Jodie Foster get in trouble mm-hmm. and because the senator comes down on them and was like oh you messed this up um, because they took Lecter to the airport and then like there was falling out between behind that Jodie Foster actually gets fired and or kicked out of the academy. Um, and then it kind of goes to, uh, follows Jack Crawford a little bit while, um, Clarice Sterling is, Starling is, uh, kind of looking into it on her own, kind of okay. going rogue a little bit. And they cut that whole section out and they just cut it so that way, because it wouldn't make sense without that subplot, the way it was initially cut together. And the editor went back cut out the story and he's like, yeah, I don't, I th- was it the editor or someone had watched the movie? Oh, God damn. I'm horrible <laughs> at this. Someone, well, someone had watched a cut of the movie and they had recommended like, I think it was, might've been William Goldman screenwriter who did like Butch Cassidy and Sundance kid uh-huh. and stuff like that. But I think you, um, if someone liked that, that watched the movie, correct me in the comics uh, comments because I'm butchering this story i thought you watched all the behind the scenes I did. this was weeks ago this is <laughs> i've slept since then the right. um uh but i believe it was william goldman looked at it and he's like eh, no take out that storyline because it's not needed um it doesn't do anything for the characters just cut back and forth between jack crawford and clarice starling and then that way you can build tension there yeah to where then the audience finds out together along with clarice because before you once jack crawford uh raided the house and you've oh oh he's not there now you know then you see clarice, clarice. Going so the tension's there. gone you know yeah the tension's yeah. gone you're like oh you already know it's him which you already kind of knew with yeah, him, yeah. but it's kind of revealed um, you kind of get put in the shoes of Jack Crawford's character of him realizing that Clarice is right and is at the, the yeah. same time with the audience. And I, I think it's great when he's like Clarice, like it's like the oh shit moment, yeah. like like she's in she's fucked. Yeah, yeah. And um, but yeah. So originally that that's not how it was supposed to be, but I feel like something like that because you you can have a great movie but the ending kind of falls flat i'd be interested to see the original cut to see if the movie would have i mean i think would have hit as hard because Mm -hmm. i mean sticking the landing is a huge thing yeah you can have a shit ending to something and people just forget about it because it's a crap ending um and i think the change that they did was definitely beneficial for it yeah um, for the better 
and it, it'd be interesting to see if it was as big of a would have been a big as a big of a deal if yeah um, they made a smart choice too when uh they do a lot of training, not montages, but training scenes where clearly she's like trying to clear a room mm-hmm. and she fails and she gets shot. Yeah. So they kind of connect to that when she's trying to chase him down in the basement and you're like scared for her. It's like she can't mm-hmm. even clear a room in training. So how is she even going to, how is she going to do this? Yeah. And she's trying to comfort the <laughs> yeah. the victim. She's like, shut the fuck <laughs> up. Yeah, get me out of here. Shut the fuck up. And she's like, shut up. <laughs> it's great. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you feel like, I mean, it's just great acting. It's like yeah, yeah. You, you feel that she's in that situation because um, she's trying. She's trying to to control the situation like a training exercise. It's not working out that mm-hmm. way. Like the 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 victim is not cooperating the way that she wants to. And yeah, there's too many. She doesn't know what to clear. There's too many doors. Mm-hmm. She doesn't yeah, know where like, to go. She's in a maze. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, yeah, just doing her best because she's not. She's not an agent at this time. She's yeah. she's still in the academy. And if this movie was made today, she would have aced. Yeah, she would have been like top of her class. She would have done the the training yeah. thing for clearing the room and gotten it right. Or she would have pointed out that the male instructor that told her that she was dead was actually wrong because I did this kind of a yeah. thing. Yeah. And then it would turn into. Uh, the whole movie be like, oh, I think it's this guy, and then everyone's like, no, it's not, and then she proves them wrong and gets the guy. It would have yeah. been a horrible fucking movie. But, yeah. Um, and I love the choice of uh, where they cut the lights out, and then Buffalo Bill has the night vision goggles mm-hmm. on, and he can't help himself. Yeah. He has to like. <laughs> yeah. He has to reach out and try to grab her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because just he, like toying with he her. He loves the power. Yeah. He can't help it. Yep. If he just would have shot her and didn't do anything mm-hmm. then he would have succeeded but he couldn't help himself yeah yeah and, and it's great because it makes sense for the character yeah. and yeah and then the the night vision goggles they already foretold that earlier in the yep. movie so it's not like it's coming out of nowhere out of nowhere yeah and ah. um but yeah and and again the point of view you then you get put in the mm-hmm. position of buffalo bill but you're feeling for clarice yeah. and you're like you're putting that position to you're watching and you're like, and you're just like, no, no, like don't, don't get her kind of a thing. And, yeah. Um, and yeah, you can't do anything but watch. Um, yeah, it's, it's great. So good. So good. So good. So good. Yep. I love it. Um, well, anything else? No, I recommend it. Yes. One of the best movies ever made. Go watch it. It's, if you haven't seen it. It's, it's amazing. It's great. Well, what are we talking about next time? Uh, join us next time yeah. as uh, we try to exercise the demons as we review and discuss the 1973 William Friedkin film, The Exorcist. Nice. It's not the new Exorcist. This is the original Exorcist where they vomit pea soup. Yep. And uh, so, yeah, join us next time. Till next time, Jay. Till next time, Matt.